You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right, good morning, Radiant Church. How are you guys feeling this morning? Good, good, good. It's the 1130 service, so you guys are very, very well awake, I hope and pray. Hey, if you're new with us, my name is Marco. I am the lead pastor here. Welcome. We're so honored that you decided to make Radiant a part of your weekend. If you're watching online, welcome. You can uh, share this content on your newsfeed. That helps to get the word out as well. Well, listen, if you were with us last weekend, we announced our uh, For Future Generations of Building campaign, you guys. God has called us to make more room here for future generations that they might know him, love him, and serve him. And you can hear more about that by just watching last week's message online on our YouTube channel. But listen, uh, God did some more miraculous work in this house. So last week, we broke some more records. We had a record number of children here. 129 kids checked into our services, which is, again, a record-breaking number. About 672 people here, which is the highest amount of people we've ever had on a non-holiday service. So you can see that the growth just keeps coming, and we are so excited for the future here of Radiant Church. Now, on your seat when you came in, you saw that there was a a small brochure here, a 21-day spiritual journey. This is a journey that we are taking together as a church body, and if you open it up, you'll see that every single day there are very, very short devos along with a biblical passage to read. So I want to just challenge you. This actually begins tomorrow, by the way. It'll be for 21 days. We'll do the series for four Sundays, though. And so tomorrow, listen, I would love to challenge you. If you would, take some time, about mm, two minutes is all it will take you to read the passage of Scripture, read the devotional, and then pray for future generations. If you lose your copy, just go to RadiantBC.com. You can find all of this on there as well. Now, our, our verse for the campaign is found in Psalm 22, verses 30 and 31. And so I would like to invite you to take your smartphones and every single day set an alarm for 2.30 p.m., Now, why would you do that? Well, when it goes off in the middle of the day, I would love it if you just took 60 seconds to pray for future generations, to pray that we might be faithful to fulfill all of God's purposes here at Radiant Church for such a time as this. Would you do that with me? And then secondly, I also want to just show you quickly the Spiritual Journey Commitment Card. On the back, you can fill that out. And again, just want to challenge you to read the passage of Scripture, to read the Devo, and to spend time in prayer. And then for those of you, for those of you who would want to go the next level, uh, I would love for some of you to fast with us. Now, fasting is just abstaining from food for a certain period of time, and you can do whatever fast you want, whatever you and the Lord determine. But listen, we're going to fill this out later in our service, and then we're going to drop this off with our ushers. They'll have some buckets uh, that you'll drop this off into, and then next weekend, I'll give an announcement 
how many of you are going on a spiritual journey with us, okay? So lots of housekeeping items in order. Um, but listen, if you are new to Radiant Church and maybe you don't know anything about for future generations, one last thing. To my right is what we call the green room. And right after service, we're having a small 10-minute meeting to give you information on everything that is for future generations. Myself and Kinsey Moffitt will be back there. We have some delicious muffins, like the giant ones. You know, the chocolate, they're like huge, right? And so if you want a muffin and you want to learn more about for future generations, please join me right after service. Again, five, ten minutes long. It'll be a quick meeting, but we'll get you caught up with everything that is happening here at Radiant Church. Woo! Okay, you guys, we don't have a lot of time to waste, so if you have a Bible with you or a smartphone, would you and could you, sound like Dr. Seuss here, uh, would you open up to Numbers chapter 13? Numbers chapter 13, found in the Old Testament. In, uh, in the Old Testament, you have Genesis, Exodus, what's next? Leviticus, all right, a few of you knew, and then Numbers, right, Numbers and then Deuteronomy, of course. So go to Numbers chapter 13. Now, if you're new to the Bible, don't worry about it. Don't stress. Don't flip out. It's going to be okay. I'm going to give you some context in the next few minutes, okay? In the book of Genesis, there is a man named Abram. Now, his, his name is later changed to what, church? Abraham. All right, good. His name is later changed to Abraham, but God comes to Abram, okay? Abram does not worship God. He's, he, he's a, 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 really a, a person, God just chose him for whatever reason it was. God says to Abram, Abram, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you into a great nation. You're going to be a blessing. And guess what, Abram? Those who bless you will be blessed. Those who curse you will be Cursed. Here's what I want you to do, Abram. I want you to come with me to a land that I will show you, right? This is in Genesis, by the way. So Abram says yes to God. He gives God his yes. He obeys God. Now, the Bible tells us that this was counted to Abram or Abraham, as it would later, he would later be called, as righteousness. Because Abram was obedient to the purposes of God's, to God's calling on his life. Now, here's the good news. God always makes good on his promises. Amen, church? So here's what happens. Of course, Abram has his promised son. His name is Isaac, and you can read all about that in Genesis. Isaac later has Jacob and Esau. Jacob's name is later changed to Israel. Israel has 12 sons who become the great nation of the people group that we know as the Jewish People. Now, if you've ever noticed the news, you will notice, listen, that the whole world is always focused on this little sliver of land in the Middle East known as the nation of Israel, right? And so uh, some big things happening in Israel right now. I don't have the time to go into that right now, but I do want to fill you in at some point. But here's the idea, right? The, uh, Israel is surrounded by her enemies, and it is always in a state of turmoil and chaos and violence. There's no, uh, no surprise that this piece of land is always the center of the world's attention, okay? So this great nation in the Old Testament goes into eventual slavery. They become slaves in Egypt, and there's a tyrant. His name is Pharaoh, and Pharaoh rules with an iron fist, 
And the people cry out, God, won't you save us? God, won't you do something? God sends a man named Moses, okay? Moses to be the deliverer, to lead the charge, to lead them out of slavery into freedom. Now, through a series of miraculous events, you can read all about this in the book of Exodus, God sets his people free. But not only that, God says, listen, I'm not only going to set you free, I'm going to give you a piece of land. I'm going to give you a home. You're going to have your own home, and I want you to journey with me through and to this land. It's going to be a land flowing with what? Milk and honey. It's going to be fertile. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be a great piece of property for the Jewish nation. And so here's what we see in the book of Numbers. We see that God is leading his people through the wilderness to their promised land. Now, unfortunately, things get pretty messy along the way. And the reason things get so messy is because God's people are, guess what? Prideful, stubborn, and rebellious, okay? So God's got to kind of pull them by the ears several times, okay? And things get just pretty messy. And so that's where we're going to be in Numbers 13 to give you some context. God is trying to lead his people into their promised land into their property, okay? So again, if you have a Bible, Numbers 13, we're going to pick it up in verse number one. Verses will be behind me. You can follow along as well. Here's what it says. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan. This is, again, that would be their home, Israel, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. Let's pause there. So the Jewish people are, find themselves in the uh, Sinai Peninsula in the desert of Paran. It was this great big wilderness area. And God wants to send 12 spies into the land of Canaan so they can figure out, they can see indeed that the land is flowing with milk and honey, that there's something good waiting for them on the other side so that they can make plans to make this their new home. Jump to verse 26 now. Verse 26 says this. They came back to Moses, okay? This is after they had spied the land out. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, right? Surprise, surprise. What God said is true. Here is the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large, we even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people okay, before Moses and said, I love, what, I love the spirit of Caleb. He says this, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do do it. But notice what happens next, church. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a what? Bad report. Ah, a bad 
report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Okay, so we got 12 spies going to sort of spy out the land, okay? Caleb's like, we can do this, but the rest of the people are like, no way, it's crazy. There's giants in the land. We're just like little midgets, right? We're like grasshoppers in their eyes, and they spread a bad report, and then everyone is just upset and complaining and grumbling and doubtful, and they're all in fear, right? What's going to happen next? We'll find out in just a few moments. Let's take a few moments. Let's pray together, and then we'll dive into God's Word. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for today. We thank you for your presence here already, God. I just ask that you just continue to move in our lives, continue to move in our hearts, Lord. I pray that you might open blind eyes this morning. Um, God, would you soften hardened hearts? Hearts become hardened because of life's difficult circumstances. So God, would you soften hearts because there's no way that we can receive what you have for us if our hearts are hardened. So God, would you break up the fallow ground of our hearts this morning? Unlock deaf ears, and would you just draw people to Jesus, God? We want to know you. We want to see you. We want to experience your love and your presence today. We're not satisfied with just some sort of religious ritual, but God, we want you. We want to know you. We want to meet you. Father, it's the heart, the cry of my heart this morning. So come, Holy Spirit, and just inhabit the praises of your people. Move in our lives, Lord. Move. Draw young men and women and children to you today. Father, I pray if someone is far from you, that today would be the day that they would make you their Savior, their Lord, that they would confess their sin to you, God, that they would run into your grace, God, turn away from wickedness and run to the Savior. God, I pray this, and I believe this will happen this morning. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, some of you may be familiar with the name Corey Tenboom. She was a courageous Dutch Christian woman who helped to hide Nazis during the Nazi occupation, or helped to hide Jews, excuse me, she helped to hide Jews, not Nazis, that would be a bad thing, who helped to hide Jews during the, that'll, that'll wake you up right there. Someone's paying attention this morning. Praise God for that, okay? Praise God for that. Who helped to hide Jews during the Nazi occupation of the Netherlands during World War II. Now, uh, Corey Tenboom, along with her sister and her father would hide the Jews in a secret room in their home. And of course, uh, doing this put their lives at great risk of being found out and being punished by the Nazis. And unfortunately, in 1944, they were found out. They were be betrayed, and then they were eventually arrested by the Gestapo. Now, Corey Tenboom and her sister, they were eventually sent to... Ravensbrück concentration camp in Germany. And 
At this particular concentration camp, um, they faced brutal conditions and they witnessed um, many, many severe acts of violence and um, just brutality and cruelty. Now, despite this, Corrie Ten Boom, she remained steadfast in her faith, and she actually continued to trust in God, uh, even in the midst of her darkest moments of her life, her darkest hour. Now, even in this concentration camp, Ten Boom um, was able to smuggle a Bible into the concentration camp, and therefore she began to lead secret prayer meetings there. She would share her faith, and she would offer the women there just encouragement and hope. Again, in the middle of their darkest hour, uh, Cory Ten Boom was this bright light, a beacon of hope. Now, after the war, Ten Boom was released from the concentration camp, and she went on to devote her life to spreading the message of God's love and his amazing forgiveness. Now, she would go on, of course, to write a book known as The Hiding Place. Now, if you've never read that book, do yourself a favor. It's an incredible book. It'll stir your heart with faith, just incredible faith. I read it years ago after my wife had read it and recommended it to me. And so Corey Tambud would devote her life to traveling around the world and, and spreading this message of love and hope and, again, forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ. Corey Tenboom demonstrated the power of faith, the power of belief, trust in God when she faced her most challenging circumstances. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. What draws us? What draws people to Corey Tenboom? What draws people to her story or in stories like it? Is it the fact that Corey Tenboom believed in God? No. That doesn't really move anybody, does it? Was it the fact that Corey Tenboom believed in the Trinity? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? No, not really. Doesn't really inspire many people. Here's what moves us. Here's what inspires people even today, right? We're drawn to Tenboom's story because of how she what? Demonstrated her faith. How she lived out her faith in the darkest hour. Not simply because she believed something. Nobody's moved to courage. Nobody's moved to tears because you say you believe something. We're moved by stories where people what? Live out. Their faith. And so this morning, we have to begin at this point. I want to simply begin by answering the question, what is faith? Now, you might think, well, that's silly. I know the Bible tells us what faith is, and, and it's true, it does. But there are many misconceptions on what faith is. And so at its simplest definition, faith is this. Faith is reliance upon or trust in God. Faith is reliance upon or trust in God. Now, I want to be real clear this morning because, again, there's a lot of misconceptions on what faith is. Faith is not positive thoughts, okay? Faith is not good vibes. Hey, I'm sending you my good vibes. Well, I'd rather have you pray for me, actually, right? Faith is not a concentrated, sort of focused willpower for a predetermined amount of time. That's not faith. The object of our faith is always God. We don't just have faith for something. I have faith for that new truck and the payments that I can't afford. No, listen, we're not having faith for something. We have faith in God. 
God is the object of our faith, okay? And we're to trust in him. And so I want to be clear that faith is not just trusting in an abstract object or an inanimate object. The object of our faith, again, is the person, of course, of God, his son, Jesus Christ. We could also say this about faith. Faith is not just intellectual assent. This is really important, church, to a checklist of doctrines separated from one's life. I'm fearful that in the Western church that many people say, yeah, I go to church and I'm good. I'm, I'm saved. I'm good. And yet they've never been transformed by the power of God. Faith is not just, listen, I believe these things. I believe A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Now listen, I want you to believe the right things. Faith is about believing the right things. It's not less than that, but can I just tell you that it's way more than that. It's certainly much more than just believing sort of these doctrines or a checklist that we, we check off. I'm, I'm good to go. I'm, I'm fine, right? And it's like, no, I don't think you are fine. It's like, no, faith, listen, is not simply intellectual assent. Finally, listen, we can say this about faith. Faith is always, always, always expressed through action and obedience to God. Hey, how, how can I exercise my faith, Pastor Marco? Obey God, okay? Obey God. It's always expressed through action and obedience to God. It's not something that just remains in your head like, hey, uh, yeah, I believe that God exists. Yeah, I believe, you know, he's good. Yeah, I believe in the Trinity. No, 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 listen. Those are, those are good things, and we can start there. Certainly we should, but faith has to be demonstrated. Faith has to be expressed through action and obeying God in his word. James, the half-brother of Jesus, we know, many of us know this verse. James has famously said, faith without corresponding deeds or works is what, church? Dead. That's right. Faith without works is just dead. It's not a real faith. And again, the idea is that faith is never an idea that's supposed to just stay in our heads it's not just a feeling that you have about something, right? If your faith is genuine in God, it has to be expressed through obedience and action, right? And this is the story. This is, this is what makes Joshua and Caleb. Joshua shows up, I think, in, in, in Numbers 14, if I'm correct. But this is what makes Joshua and Caleb so special. This is what makes them stand out in chapter 13, right? God had promised this land to the children of Israel, and they're on the way there, and they're going to spy it out first, but they come back, and when the people return, listen, they even give a report. They say it's flowing with milk and honey, just like God said it was, or it would be. But then they begin to, what, spread this negative report. Well, there's these giants that live in the land. I saw the Nephilim and, and the Anakites and all these different people groups, and we're just like grasshoppers. And I don't think, I, you know what, I'm reconsidering this whole thing. In fact, the text tells us that they actually wanted to go back to Egypt, which for most of us seems like incredible just madness. What would make you want to go back to Egypt? What would make you want to go back to being a slave, right? But this is what these people want to do. And so they spread a what? A bad report. How many of you know that bad news spreads faster than good news? 
<laughs> Bad news spreads faster than good news. If GM has a recall on one of their vehicles, here's what happens, right? The news hits media outlets and then social media and, and then different platforms. And then after just a few hours, it, it can reach a wide audience. And then that can be good, of course, but that can also be bad because it stirs up a certain amount of panic in the buyers and those who maybe own that vehicle, right? And if they're not careful, the company can come to have a, a bad reputation because of this bad news, this bad report. How many of you remember 2020, right? The year that we'd all like to forget. In 2020, right? What happened? Before any of us could even grab a hold onto what was happening, there was a bad report that was spread everywhere, right? It was like, shut everything down, stay in your homes, wear a mask, put on a suit, do whatever you want, just stay away, right? Stay 50 feet away from people. And listen, before we could even understand what was happening, fear had gripped the nation. Why? Because there was a bad report that was spread. Bad report. It was just like every news outlet, every social media thing you saw was, stay home, stay home, right? It was like just insanity, right? Why? Because bad news spreads faster than, than good news. And this is what's happening there in Israel. And, and with the Jewish people, there had been a bad report that spread throughout the entire camp. And now everybody's doubtful. Everybody's like, I don't know. I don't think we should do it. Like, yeah, there's giants in the land. Yeah, you're right. You know, I don't care what God said. And like, ah, you know what? We should just go back to Egypt. Yeah, Egypt, things were better, weren't there? Yeah, I had a nice bed. And yeah, they, they forgot completely about how they were really just these taskmasters. They were slaves to this tyrant named Pharaoh. And they want to go backwards. But in the middle of the drama, I love this, in the middle of the drama, Caleb, he's just like, he just speaks up. He shushes the crowd, right? Notice verse number 30 again, church. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. I love his heart. I love his attitude, church. Can you imagine how this played out? Caleb was like, shh, hey, 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 shh, hey, 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 shut up, all right? Gets on top of a rock. We can do this, you guys. God is with us. Come on. People are like, oh, he's crazy. He's, no, we, we can take it. We can do this. God said it, and if God said it, he'll do it. And everyone's like, nah, I don't know. The giants, didn't you hear the giants, though? And there's, there's stuff there, and I don't know. There's too many obstacles, and... Caleb's like, you know what? I don't know what the future holds, but I know that God said that we would take this land, and if God said it, he'll do it. And Caleb was like, I refuse to go backwards. I refuse to go back to being a slave. I refuse to take the path, or, uh, a destructive path of where I used to be, the things I used to be, the, the people I used to hang out, the destructive relationships I was a part of, the, the patterns of living that were sinful. I refuse to go backwards. I want to go forward. I want to move into the land that God has promised, right? So Caleb speaks up, and, and this brings me to another point regarding faith. Faith in God is the courage to move forward despite fear and obstacles in your way. Faith in God, listen, is moving forward even when you don't have all the answers. It's even when you don't have all the answers, even when you don't know how things are going to end. <clears throat> no golf clap for that one. That's awesome. <clears throat> Bob, I'm going to ask for that water. <clears throat> Right? Faith is moving forward even when we don't have the answers. I wish I could give you the answers of what the future looks like. But I can't. 
There's only one who can. But faith is not waiting until God gives me all the answers. Faith is saying, I'm going to just keep moving forward. I'm just going to take one foot in front of the other and keep moving forward. So Caleb has this different spirit among him, right? But despite Caleb's heroic attempt to change the crowd's attitude, it just doesn't work, right? It doesn't work. The negative report given by the majority caused such an uproar. Again, they start complaining, grumbling against Moses, against Aaron. They want to go back to being slaves. They want to go back to Egypt, back to a place where they were held in captivity. And I know for most of us, this seems ludicrous, right? It seems crazy. And you know what I discovered as I was studying this passage this week? Is that you can take the people out of Egypt, but you can't always take the Egypt out of people. I see this all the time in ministry. I see this all the time in ministry as a pastor. It's like begging people, no, just no, don't, don't, don't go back to him. Don't, don't, what are you doing? Don't go back to that pattern of life. Don't go back to her, right? What are you, God's got a promise for you. He's got something in store for you in your future. What do you, what do you, why are you going backwards, right? They had more trust in their lives as former slaves than they trusted in God to bring them into a faithful and prosperous land. That's very unfortunate, okay? Very disheartening. But church, listen, before we heap condemnation on these people, because I know that's the easy thing to do. It's like, we read these stories and we're like, ha, 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 I would never do that. I'm so filled with faith. It's like, no, you would actually. We're actually more like them than we'd ever like to admit. Okay? We're more like them than we would ever like to admit. Can I just tell you that fear is a powerful motivator? Fear is such a powerful motivator, listen, that it will prevent some people from moving into God's desired future for their lives. Fear is such a powerful motivator. It causes people to go back into the arms of an abusive lover. It causes people, listen, to stay in toxic and abusive relationships for far too long. I believe in God. That's great. But what are you doing with your life? What are you... How are you practicing your faith? How are you exercising, expressing trust in God? I've seen it even with people who are supposed to leave a certain church, but they didn't leave because of guilt, condemnation, and fear. It's like, who's behind all those things? Not Jesus. And so they say things like, well, Pastor Marco, I can't leave there because if I leave, the whole thing's going to fall apart. But here's the thing. You have to trust God. It's not up to you. You don't hold everything together. He does. What's going to fall apart? Because of you? Who's in charge, God or you? And so I'm always like, ah, oh, I just I want people to see this. Like, no, listen, fear is such a strong motivator in our lives, okay? Such a strong motivator. And I want you to hear this, church, that God is so serious about this topic of faith and trust. God is bent on not giving a people group his desired future unless they trust in him completely. He won't just give it over. God's not like Santa Claus, just like, here he goes, candy canes, there's rain down. You can live your life however you want to. God's like, no, 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 no. 
These people treat me with contempt. These people do not trust me. So God is so serious about this because God's character is on the line here. Why is this so important, Pastor Marco? God's character is on the line. God wants to be known as who? The faithful one, the trustworthy one, the one who we can put all of our trust in. With what, Marco? Everything. God's character is on the line. So God is so serious about this. He's like, you know what? All y'all ain't going to the land. You're going to wander, and a whole generation will die. And, J- and Caleb and Joshua will be the only ones to inherit the promise. That's how serious God is. He's like, I'm just not going to give my desired future to people who don't trust me. It's just not how I work. Let the lesson be learned, church. God just doesn't give over his plans to a people who don't trust him. You know the greatest transformation I've seen in people's lives at Radiant Church? They all have one thing in common. Here it is. They begin to trust God. Number two, they expressed it through obedience. There it is. The people who I know at Radiant Church who I've seen just radical life transformation, they've done two things. God, I trust you. And then they expressed it through what? Obedience. It's not rocket science. I promise you it's not. And just that little thing, listen, changes lives. But so many of us, listen, we're prone to go back to our old patterns of sin. We're prone to go back to our own addictions. We're more comfortable doing the things we used to do. We'd rather be familiar with something than walk into new life with Jesus Christ. We're so gripped by fear, listen, that we'll stay in a dysfunction. We'll stay in our own dysfunction rather than move into the promises of God. We're so gripped with fear and, again, being comfortable that we just stay in one spot. God is kind and he's gracious. He's patient. But the whole time I think God is like, hey, just take another step. Take another step. Take another step. Notice Numbers 14 says this, beginning in verse number 20. The Lord replied, he says, I've forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as they glory in the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, uh, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times, not one, it's repeated, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. Not one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. It's a repetition here. But because my servant Caleb, and let me just say this real quick this morning. Did you know that before this, God did not call anyone else a servant except for Moses? Moses was God's servant. Now he's calling Caleb his servant. Why? Because Caleb is charismatic? Nope. Because Caleb is good looking? Nope. He exercised faith. He trusts the Lord wholeheartedly. He says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. Church, look at that. My servant Caleb has a different spirit. Let me just preach for a moment. You have the living presence of the living God on the inside of you, known as the Holy Spirit, filling you with power, with courage, with an attitude, listen, that moves forward despite obstacles and despite fear. Amen, church?
He says, he follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it, okay? How many of you know, though, again, there's something on the inside of us that would rather stay in our current state of dysfunction rather than trust God with his promised future, okay? Now, that thing on the inside of you, it's called something, the flesh or the sinful nature. We all have it, okay? And the thing that so grips our hearts so easily is fear, okay? It's fear. But we all have to deal with this. Here's what one commentator says in the New American Commentary. He says, the sinful human tendency, even among Christians, to lapse back into the addictive ways of sin and despair after having seen the outward demonstration of God's working on their behalf was evidenced in this setting. In other words, he's saying this, listen, there's something on the inside of us, even believers, listen, they'll just revert back to old behaviors even though they've seen the miraculous in their lives, even though they've seen how good God has been, even though they've seen God be faithful over and over and over and over and over again. There's something on the inside of us that just pulls us back to compl- uh, complicity, pulls us back to a place of just safety, pulls us back to a place of comfort, right? And this was evidenced here in this setting, okay? Now listen, it's true, none of us have perfect faith, and we don't have to have perfect faith, thank God for that, because the scripture says that when we're we're faithless, he is faithful. So of course our faith is going to waver. Of course you're never going to have perfect faith. But just start with the faith that you do have. Start with where you're at right now. We're all going to have faith that wavers at some point or another. But listen, if we're not careful, you guys, we're going to be like the children of Israel. We're going to, go, we're, we're going to want to go back to being slaves. We're going to want to remain in bondage instead of finding freedom in Jesus Christ. We're going to want to go back to the familiar instead of step into new territory that God is trying to give us. And that's individually and corporately. Applies to all of us. So today, as we wrap up part one, faith for the journey, I want to just ask you a few questions. And number one, I want to ask you as individuals, this will just be individually, how this applies to your individual lives, okay? Here's the first question, church. What area of life do you need to exercise faith? Okay? And again, when I say faith, I'm not talking about good vibes or positive thinking. I'm talking about trusting in God, wholehearted dependency upon Him. What area of life do you need to exercise faith? Secondly, how can you express your trust in Him? Remember, faith is never something that just stays in your head. It's never just intellectual assent to a set of doctrines, to just some statements on paper. Faith is always expressed through action and obedience. How can you begin to express your faith in Christ? I believe the Holy Spirit's going to reveal that to you as individuals. Uh, Number two, though, or rather secondly, let let me ask you this corporately. As this applies to us as a body, 
because you're not saved by yourself. You're saved to a body of believers. You belong to a family. And most of you, I think you belong to this family. There are some of you who are visiting. We've had a lot of people come in. Uh, first service, they, they saw the video on Facebook. There's a lot of buzz in our community. But I think most of you are here. This is your family. This is your body. So I want to ask you those same questions corporately. But I want us to apply it to for future generations. What is God asking you to sow so that for future generations will become a reality? So that we will see God's purposes and his calling fulfilled in this day and age when we need it so badly. What is he calling you to sacrifice? How are you going to express that to the Lord? And listen, we need this corporately and we need it individually. So I want you to begin to ask the Lord that question as we move into our series. God, how can I express faith? God, how can, what area do I need to trust you in? God, what do you want me to sacrifice for future generations? How do I come alongside of you for your purpose and your will right here in Bay City as it is in heaven? I want you to begin to ask that prayer. And before we wrap up, I want to just give you a moment to take that spiritual journey card back out. And would you just fill that out if you wouldn't mind? Please print if you would be so kind. There's no wrong answer here, okay? So just indicate what level you'd like to participate, okay? Just take a few moments here. When I dismiss, the ushers will be in the back, and there's gonna be a, they're going to have buckets. I want you to drop that off, okay? If you're online, you can go to radiantbc.com. You'll find this along with the Devo, the brochure on there as well. Download that. You can even print it out if you'd like to. But I would like everyone to participate, those who call Radiant Church their home. I would like all of you to participate in the spiritual journey for the next 21 days. Let's go ahead and take a few moments. I want to pray and then we're going to dismiss. Let's posture our hearts to him, church. God, we thank you for today. And I pray, Lord, that faith would just be stirred up in our hearts, God. Father, I pray that your people would open up their hearts, their hands, God, and simply say yes to your call, yes to your purposes in their lives, both individually and corporately. God, that we'd be a people of faith, not just in our heads, but people who begin to actually express it through action and obedience to your word, God. We don't want to just people be a people who believe a checklist of statements. God, we want to inspire the next generation by how we lived it out. So, Father, would you stir up faith in our hearts, God? In this room, God, those who are watching online, that we might honor you, that we might obey you, God, that we would be a people of courage, of obedience, as we see your kingdom come here in Bay City as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, speak to your people right now and reveal what is the area of life they need to exercise faith. How will they express it, God? Make that clear to every single person today, here and watching online. And God, we just say corporately, we trust you. We don't know what's next. We don't know how it will end, but we trust you, God. We trust you and we'll walk with you. God, you can have our yes. Not just our words, 
but our obedience, God, our action, you can have all of it. It belongs to you. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said amen. Let's clap our hands for our king this morning. Amen, amen.